Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. So that you can follow along. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. It's the first gospel of the four gospels. And uh, chapter 7, verses 7 through 9, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And these are the words of Jesus. In my Bible, it's red letters. Whenever you see red letters in Scripture, that's Jesus speaking himself. And it says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, any parents out here? I'm a parent, okay. Some of y'all are questioning yourselves. Okay, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? That's terrible. Of course not. So if you sinful people, don't be offended by that, That's, that's all of us. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Let me pray for you real quick this morning so we can get into this message. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you for every every person that's in this room with us, Father. Thank you for the, the purpose that's there. We thank you for the destiny that fills this room. God, we thank you for the calling that you have on each and every one of our lives, whether we've seen it, realized it, or even know it's there yet. Father, I pray today that in the time that we have, that you would allow us to open up our hearts to receive from you, Lord, any any pretense, any walls that we've put up around us. God, I pray that by your love and your grace that you would remove those things so that there wouldn't be a barrier to keep us from receiving what you're trying to give us today, God. And we thank you that as you come at us, you're doing so with love and with grace. You're not coming to discipline us this morning. You're coming to open up new possibilities, new opportunities, a new relationship, a deeper relationship. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And somebody say amen. Amen. Now, y'all just remember, especially if you're new to Convo, we want you to know that we highly value an interactive uh, audience type of situation. So feel free to talk back. Feel free to say amen. Feel free to, you know, point at me and feel free to make a noise, whatever it is. I want to, it helps me to know that you're hearing what, what is happening. And, uh, and some would even say it makes me talk faster. I don't know if that's good or not, um, but it's, it's what's going on. So last week, um, the Holy Spirit started a new series. And the reason, I, the reason I say it that way is because I was not planning on starting a new series last week. It was actually supposed to be a continuation of what we've been talking about, Summer Soul but, but something shifted last week, and as I, even after the fact, was kind of going back and, and listening to the message again, I guess I do. That's not because I like to hear my own voice. It's because I'm trying to grow from what God is speaking also, in case, uh, yeah, that's, anyway, that's weird. But the Holy Spirit began to say something that I felt kind of, sh- something shifted in the atmosphere, and uh, in, in a good way. And so last week we talked about prayer, and we began to realize that when people pray, things happen. Can you turn to somebody next to you and say, when people pray, things happen. See, we kind of force people to talk a little bit. Come on, turn to your other neighbor, the person that you didn't choose to look to the first time, and say, when people pray, things happen. There we go. 
I'm just teasing. You, you love both people equally next to you. It's all good. We talked about the need to make prayer come alive in our lives, our church, make prayer come alive in our world. And I'm not just talking about the, the, the little type of non-existent, weak prayer that in all reality, let's be real, that in the church world most people are used to. I'm talking about the prayer that has some passion behind it. I'm talking prayer that has some, some, uh, some, some, some energy behind it, some enthusiasm, some, some desperation behind it. And uh, so we went to 2 Chronicles uh, 7, chapter 7, verses 14 and 15, and, and how in order to see prayers become powerful and effective, our prayers, that we must give God permission. I don't think most people realize that. Well, he's God, so he's going to do what he wants to do. It's like, no, that's, that's not actually how God operates. Could he if he wanted to? Well, he's, he's God, yeah, of course. But, he, but God has a character. God has a, a way in which he operates that defines who he is, defined by himself. And so we actually get to give God permission to move on our behalf and to hear our prayers and to see our heart and then it begins to unlock something that we would never be able to unlock on our own. Permission to see prayers answered, permission for God to move in our life, permission for God to respond and literally bring down the realities of heaven for your situation and make it come alive in your life and in your city and in your family. A permission giving prayer life before God is humble, it's diligent in prayer, it seeks a deeper relationship with God, and it stays repentant before God. It's, it's, it keeps us that way. So if you want to hear more about that, hit that podcast from last week. I'm not going to re-preach that. But it kind of was the intro that led into this week. And so, so we're starting this new series. I guess I started it last week. And it's going to be called When People Pray. When People Pray. And so we're going to take it a little bit further today, actually a lot a bit further today, and uh, because, as I said before, when people pray, things begin to happen. Now, if, if any of y'all were, were kind of raised in the church world as a kid or something like that, maybe you've, about, you've heard what I'm about to say. But, like, I remember when I was a kid and even, and even, even more so up in the middle school, you know, we'd have, whether it was youth time or a kid's class or something like that, and you always got the teacher. He's like, hey, does anyone have any prayer requests or does anybody have any, what was the other one, praise reports, Right. There was prayer requests. We call them wins here because well, that's, that's all we do. All we, that's three of you. Jeez, good Lord. You'll have to come to Dream Team Night. It'll take a whole other definition. Uh, but listen, there was always two or three people that when they came, they're like, I got a prayer request. And they're like, oh, what's your prayer request? It's an unspoken. Oh, it's an unspoken. Which was usually code for it's about a boy or it's about a girl. That's mostly in middle school. Adults don't do that. But I know the reality is that uh, something that I try to teach people when it comes to developing their own prayer life is that, listen, the, the prayers that are unspoken before God are usually the ones that are unanswered before God. And so it's time, guys, come on, we're not kids anymore. It's time for us to realize that we need to open our mouth. That there is a God who loves us and is, he is attentively waiting to hear what you have to say. Well, he's God. He knows what I'm going to say. Well, sometimes I know what my wife's going to say, but I like to hear her voice too. Amen. And she always knows what I'm going to say, but she wants to hear my voice even more. It's called communication and marriage, in case you're wondering about that. 18 and a half years in, I'm still working on it. It's okay. But listen, at Convo Church, every single week we receive 
we receive prayer requests from people, whether they put them on one of those connection cards or they're going to our website. And literally all throughout the week, we'll get emails or we'll get messages, people asking for prayer. Most of the time it's for somebody else, things, people, they, uh, people they know and love that they're concerned about things happening. Or they'll send us a win, like, hey, the, I was praying for that job opportunity and it happened. And though we actually have one team member that uh, that happened to recently, literally since we've launched, we've been praying for this girl's job to change so that she could, she's one of the most dedicated team members of Combo Church and she's almost never here on Sunday because of her job situation. And she didn't give up, she didn't give up, she kept praying, she kept believing, she kept saying, if it's God's will, if it's God's will, I know it will. She Literally, she's speaking it into existence. And then we get a message just last week, she's like, I got the job, Monday through Friday. I get and so I'm so excited about that. And that's, that's just one of those testimonies, you know, that's one of those things. And and I remember my wife and I, we've been married for about 18 and a half years, and and, uh, and I grew up in, in Richmond, Virginia on the East Coast. My wife grew up in Seattle, Washington, and Eugene, Oregon on the West Coast. And, and so, so her family's on that side and my family's on that side. And, and I so graciously ripped her away from everything she had ever known and took her to the East Coast. And so for, for 18 years, she hasn't even lived near her parents. How rude of me. Yeah. What's wrong with you? What are you doing? And she continued to pray and she continued to pray and... And I don't know if she knew that or not. So was I. And I don't know if she believed me. But, but, now, but now not only are we closer, her parents actually got to move here. And they're here, Glenn and Peggy. They're a part of the church. They... So listen. So listen. I, God's always going to answer prayers. He doesn't always answer maybe how you want him to. He doesn't always answer them when you want him to. But that's why God's continuing to say, if you keep on asking some translations just say, ask and it will be given. And it kind of paints a picture of, hey, God, will you? Nothing happens. All right, I'll just move on. I'll just move on. No, it paints this picture of persistence. Yes, yes. Keep on asking. On. Keep on knocking. Yes. Keep on seeking. Because there's another, it's not even in the notes, but there's another uh, a story that, that Jesus has a little parable about this woman that kept going back to a wicked ruler asking for a favorable decision of something in her life. And he could have cared less about this woman. But she would not stop coming back. She would not stop asking and seeking and knocking until finally he's like, fine, what do you want? This is what I need you to do for me. Fine, here you go. Will you leave me alone now? And so he kind of paints this picture of persistence. Some of us are so weak and feeble in our own prayer life because maybe we offer something up that is real to us, but we don't have the tenacity to say, you know what? Okay, it, it didn't happen yet. You know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep going. I know you're in there. I know you don't sleep. I sleep, I'm not gonna sleep, you're not gonna sleep, no one's gonna sleep. You know, God's gonna get the picture that they, you care about something. And often at times, God's not bored, he's not distracted, he's not doing something else and neglecting you. Sometimes God just wants to know, do you care enough about what you're talking to me about to not give up on it? God's looking for those type of prayers. And I'm telling you, when we begin to pray that way, things will begin to happen. We need to be praying Jesus followers. You know, when you become a praying Jesus follower and it becomes, it becomes something that is a non-negotiable for you, um, sometimes I, I kind of throw this analogy out there for different things that should be automatic for a Jesus follower. 
But we, don't also, we also don't take for granted the fact that we're all on a journey and we learn. And the reality is, is that when you first become a Jesus follower, even scripture refers to us as spiritually speaking, we're babies. So babies, you know, you don't bring a baby home from the hospital, throw a steak in its mouth and, and tell them, hey, there's, some, uh, there's a pizza in the, in the freezer, so I'm going to go take care of stuff. You can take care of yourself later. You know, we don't do that, right? So it's the same in the spiritual world too. We got to grow. We got to develop. We have to become. But the reality is, is that the more that we dedicate ourselves to being Jesus followers who are going to pray, and we make it our habit. Come on, nobody had to get up before you came this morning and argue with yourself about whether you were going to get dressed or not. Like, man, I just don't know if I want to. I mean, I'm going, but I don't know if I... Thank, thank you for having that decision made. The person next to you thanks you. The person in front of you. The person behind you definitely thanks you. You know, you don't have to think about that. I mean, am I, I going to wear pants today? I don't know. I just don't know if I feel like I mean, I'm still going to go out to the world, but... It's ridiculous, isn't it? But that sometimes we treat the basic things that it takes to be a Jesus follower. We t- we, they, they should be automatic. They should be things that I don't even think about anymore. It's just what I do. It's a part of who I am. And so we're still thinking about whether we should or I don't know if I should pray. And if I should pray, can I pray? Am I good enough to pray? He, Pastor Craig said I'm good enough to pray, but I don't know if God's really going to hear. And we, we debate about what we should do when there are things that should be automatic in our life. And God's just literally up in heaven, almost like antsy, just like, just give me permission. Just give me permission. I'm ready to move on your behalf. I'm ready to see something happen in your family. I'm ready to bring those dreams to a reality that is probably going to be bigger and different and better than what you thought it was. But because you're asking and you won't shut up about it, I'm going to take you on a journey to get you to where I created you to be. And so we just got to have that tenacity. There has to be that persistence. But I want to tell you something. One of the first things that will happen whether it's noticed or unnoticed, is that the the enemy of God will take notice that someone has figured out that prayers are powerful. I want to say this too. There are a lot of people who are are Christians or say they're Christians, and they talk a lot about spiritual warfare and how much the devil is out to get them, and 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 he's trying to take me down, he's trying to do this. And, but, but we're not living a, a praying Jesus following life. We're not, we're not causing danger to the enemy of God. And I just want to say this, don't, don't put too much credit on your account that, that the devil even knows who you are. Sometimes we act like we're on his number one hit list, but, but at the same time, God's like, who, who are you? I mean, I know who you are, but do you know who I am? We're like, yeah, man, the devil's just out to get me. I don't even know if he knows who you are. I'm not sure if he knows who I am. But what I want to do is I want to make sure that he does know who I am because I figured out something and I hope that our church figures out something that we are going to be praying people. Not like, dear Jesus, bless my food and to my body. You know, that's not the type of prayers that is going to get the enemy's attention where he's going to be like, oh my gosh, we need to do something about this because he's figured out how to bless his food. No, he wants to get involved and bring distraction and destruction and accusation into the lives of those who have figured out that God actually will move on behalf of praying Jesus followers. So one thing though, when this happens, when the enemy figures this out, because um, this is how we operate. So I'm going to give you all a secret this morning so that you can recognize when the enemy is actually trying to disrupt and I like to use that word because I don't want to give him enough right or, or permission to think that he can come and create issue with me. He can try to disrupt. You need to know the enemy can try to disrupt, but you don't have to give in to the disruption. You, you are actually stronger than what the enemy would try to bring. The Bible says that greater is he that is inside of you 
than he that is in the world. That's talking about the devil. So I call him team devil because he's not God. He's not everywhere at one time. He's got a team. They're, they're scrambling. They already know that they're on a losing team. Would that stink? Hey, you get to be on this team, and guess what? You always will lose. Great. And I'm so excited about this season coming up. That's great. For me, it's like being a Redskins fan. Anyway, okay. Um, but team devil, come on, he's, they're about this, he's about deception. He's about accusation. Uh, and obviously, honestly, if we're not wise and we don't protect ourselves, then we, we give room for that deception to come into our hearts, sending accusation into our mind. And it usually happens through three different ways. One is that he will deceive you by bringing false accusation on God, saying that God's not present, God wasn't there, God's not faithful, God doesn't really love you. That's an accusation, it's a false one. The other one that he will do is he will deceive you by bringing false accusation on yourself, telling you you're not good enough, you don't qualify, reminding you of your failures, tricking you into believing that your identity is anything less than, what, than who God says you are. And another thing that he will do, this is the last one, he will de deceive you by bringing false accusations on others for what they have done to you, against you, or what maybe they haven't done that you felt like they should have done. Deception, distraction, accusation, division, these are the tactics of the enemy, and they are the, those are the tactics that are deployed against somebody who is a praying Jesus follower. And I don't say any of that to be like, oh, well, I don't want that. Maybe I should, if that's what's going to happen if I pray, maybe I just should kind of keep it like it is. No, it's because what you accomplish through prayer is far greater, far more dynamic, far more powerful than anything that you could ever try to accomplish on your own apart from it. That's where most people are living now. We're living in the realm where prayer is not the first priority but the last resort. So we, don't, we haven't even begun in our nation to really see in modern day times what is capable when God's people begin to pray and begin to pray the right way, begin to do things that literally the Bible tells us the mountains will move. That if we have the, must, the, the faith of a mustard seed, we can say, you know, mountain be removed and thrown into the sea and it will happen. Yes, it's a metaphor because I try, I was like, see this happens, mountain... Okay, Jesus was trying to say something else. Okay, it's not actually about that. But the mountains that are in our life that are causing the disruption, that are causing the distance, that are causing the distraction, that are causing the accusation of what's possible and impossible, when we begin to be praying Jesus followers and we're dedicated not to just getting what we want in our prayer, but we're dedicated to the closeness of relationship that we can have with God be, because of prayer, that's when things begin to shift. That's when things begin to change. What is unlocked through prayer is worth fighting for. That's actually my title for today, for this message. It's worth fighting for. Because, listen, God provides the protection we need to win the battles we face through prayer. God provides the protection we need to win the battles that we face through prayer. Let me, let me read this to you real quick. It's in Ephesians chapter 6, verses uh, 10 through 18. And you can, you can go there, you can follow on the screen, but I just want to kind of go through this and we're going to break down a couple of thoughts. And it says, a final word, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, but it's also a book that's written to the entire church. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Whose mighty power? His, not yours. Even if you think you have great strength, it's not enough on its own. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all all strategies of the devil. 
For we are not, this is huge, guys, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. Whose armor? God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, so that tells me the battle won't be forever. It, it will come to an end. The season that you're in right now is not forever. What you are struggling with right now is not for eternity. It's a season. <clears throat> Lost my place. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. It says stand your ground. Come on, somebody. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. That's how we know God doesn't wear Nike and it's okay. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, it says, pray after you've done these things, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere because prayer is bigger than you. What you're praying for, even if you think it's about you, it's bigger than you. We'll get to that. I want to get ahead of myself. Um, all right, we got, we got this picture because here's the deal. We got to understand when you're reading Scripture in context, you got to understand, uh, you know, what they're talking about. Why was Paul going through this particular set of body armor? And so we have this picture of a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier, back from about that same time period. Do we, there we go. Look at that dude. Maximus Decimus Meridius. I don't know if that's, no, I don't think so. But, but I want us to see, because this is what Paul was describing. He, he was painting a very specific picture because the people at that time that he was writing to would have been able to recognize what a Roman soldier looked like. That whole area was under the Roman Empire. And so they saw the centurions, they saw the soldiers, and they knew that these were the mightiest warriors that existed on the planet at this time that they knew of. And they were the best trained. They had the best equipment. And because of that, they were able to expand the empire greatly. And a little history lesson for you, because the Bible actually is connected to real history, real time. These aren't just stories and fables. It connects to real stuff. And so we see, we see this guy here. He's got, uh, it started off when we read, started off with feet. Because there's something important, no matter how many weapons you have, if you're running out and you don't have the right stuff on your feet, you're in trouble. You're not going to get very far. Whether you step on a rock, you step on a stick, somebody steps on your foot. And you may have a great sword, you may have a helmet and a shield, but if your feet are jacked up, you're not going anywhere. And it tells us that the, the shoes that we wear are the shoes of peace. When you are a Jesus follower and you've received the good news of who Jesus is, it gives you peace to be able to walk out your life and not worry about what you're stepping on, not worry about where you're going because you know that you have peace about who you are in the hands of Jesus. So he's got those shoes on. And then it talks about, it talks about the belt. Look at that belt. It's, I'll see if I can get one of those. Uh, one of those belts, looks like he won it at a, at a rodeo or something. Um, and then he's got like the, the chain mail, which is that, the, the, it's also called like the breastplate, the body armor of righteousness. Well, what's that protecting? It's protecting your heart. It's protecting your vital organs. Righteousness is right living. That's not religion. It's living in a way that honors God. 
It's a lifestyle. Yeah, there, there actually is a lifestyle the Bible talks about that will honor who God is and what he made you to be. And when you begin to live the way that God says that you should live, it doesn't limit you. It actually protects you so that your heart doesn't get damaged. So that, you're, so that the, the innermost being of who you are as an individual doesn't get ripped up and torn apart. That it covers your lungs so that even things, the pressure of life can get through to you, but you'll still be able to breathe because you're protected. And then you've got the belt of truth, which holds everything together. Truth holds everything together. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the way. Jesus is what? The truth. And he is the life. What is holding everything together is the reality of who Jesus is. It's that belt of truth. And then it says, okay, on top of that, says you've got this shield. Now these shields, this was legit. Like that's, they were usually three quarters of the height of the soldier. So that at any point in time, they could have full coverage to protect themselves. But the shield of faith means that, because it's supposed to deflect the, the errors of the enemy. The shield of faith would say, devil, I don't care what you're going to throw at me because I believe that who God is in me and what he's doing in my life, even if I can't even see it yet, I'm going to move forward and I'm not going to be afraid of what you're going to try to do to me. I'm not going to be afraid of what could happen to me. I'm going to move forward because I believe that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I've got the word of God on my side that is filling me with faith to believe that anything is possible. And so I've got this thing. I'm going to keep moving forward. You can shoot the arrows, but they're not going to get to me. So many Christians play defense their whole, their whole life. We're just backing up, we're backing up, we're backing up. The shield was never meant to protect you while you were backing up. The shield was to protect you as you began to move forward. And the closer you get to what God's trying to use you to destroy in the heavenly realm, he gave you a weapon to use. He gave you a weapon to use, and that weapon is the sword of the spirit. That weapon is the word of God. Now, let me talk about that weapon because if, you know, I've got, I've got knives in my house, I've got stuff, and, and uh, you know, I've got to tell my kids, like, don't, don't play with this. It's a weapon. You can hurt somebody with this. And, uh, and, and they have. But it's, you know, that's all part of a child experience. It's great. I did it too. And uh, so I, I just remember that, that a weapon has a, a, has a purpose. But a weapon, when it's used outside of its purpose, can, can hurt somebody in a way that it was never meant to hurt somebody. We have a whole lot of people walking around who don't know how to use this thing. And, and they've learned enough because of Google and, and, and let me just be honest, because of maybe some, mm, I'll just say some folks that, that like to find something in here, one, one line, forget the context, forget the message of the Bible. I'm gonna find one line in here that justifies the way that I feel about X, Y, and Z. And I'm gonna use it to cut somebody down and prove my point. And we got Christians walking around cutting each other with the word of God that was meant to be used as a weapon against the enemy, which is not flesh and blood. We're using, I mean, for the love of God, can we stop using scripture on Facebook unless you understand what you're talking about? Because you're hurting people, and I'm telling you that there are people that are not Jesus followers that are watching the garbage going on between Jesus followers because we're so dumb enough to do it publicly we're humiliating the name of Jesus and how we act publicly. Yes. Meanwhile, other people are like, if that's what that is, I'm good. I'll figure it out. I'll, what we got? What we got? Buddha? I'll, I'll, so something's got to be better than this. God says, no, listen, this is a weapon. And it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword you could ever find. When you learn how to use this the right way, victory will come into your life instead of brokenness. 
It's crazy that something so powerful, that's so life-giving, is used so often to take away life. That's not the way it was supposed to be. But listen, the whole, this is where we got to key in on for this, is we have to understand in verse 12, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the devil and the evil forces in the unseen world. Regardless, and this is where Jesus helped me with this. Regardless of where people stand politically, socially, racially, economically, um, our enemy is not the flesh and blood standing in front of us. The enemy is not who the media says should be your enemy. Guys, I'm, I'm going to say some stuff. Are you all ready? White supremacists are not the enemy. I know that sounds fantastic coming from a white dude, doesn't it? That's just, that's going to come across in a podcast like a ton of bricks. Black Lives Matter is not the enemy. Blue Lives Matter is not the enemy. Republicans are not the enemy. Democrats are not the enemy. Wasn't expecting a whole lot of amens during this section. ICE is not your enemy. The government is not your enemy. President Trump is not your enemy and neither was President Obama. We can, we can go down any, any type of list. A list that, has, that is ample. A list that has been sold from many different angles. And the reason that it has been sold that way, number one, there are legitimate, passionate people who have been hurt and have been impacted in ways that myself will never begin to grasp and understand and never could. But, but I know somebody who can relate. I know somebody who's been through some stuff, who can say some things that probably has a lot more weight to, to their words than not. And I'm gonna give you two of them. One of them, and this is an individual who, he continues to challenge the way that I think and the way that I see other people whose lives and journeys I'd never be able to relate to. Dr. King said this one time. He said, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. But this is a man who was beaten, imprisoned, death threats, family threats, uh, beyond, and then ultimately had his life taken for the very thing that he was literally giving his life for. He knows more about this than I do. And I found somebody else who, who understands a little bit about, about being, uh, having the opportunity to take the enemy that's in front of his face and make that the problem. Uh, his name is Jesus. Maybe heard of him. Matthew chapter 5. This is, these are the words of Jesus. And he says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What? That's just, that's just God being disconnected from reality. Why would Jesus say something like that? Jesus, I mean, he was just, he was Jesus. So, you know, it was easy for him to not have an enemy. He could just, oh, well, I just love you because I'm Jesus. No, Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. Jesus experienced the emotions that every human being would ever experience. It, it says that he was even tempted in every way that humanity is tempted, but he did not sin. Jesus, Jesus knew 
what we know because we have the Bible. We get to read ahead and see what's going to happen in the story. But when Jesus first showed up in the scene, he already knew what his journey was going to be. He knew that his destiny was to become the sacrifice for all humanity so that every piece of brokenness and hatred and division that exists inside of our world could be torn down so that people could come together. So that people could come together and could come to the Lord together. So that we don't have to have white churches and Hispanic churches and African-American churches and you name any other, any other sect of division where it's so much easier for us to just stay in what's comfortable to us. And many of us have reasons to not wanna step over into this realm that are legitimate and totally justifiable. But Jesus, when he was saying these words, he, he knew something that no one else knew at that time. He knew that not long coming was gonna be the moment where he would be betrayed by one of his own, handed over to religion, put on a fake trial, beaten and taken advantage of beyond recognition, beard plucked out of his head, thorns thrust into his skull, so many stripes on his back that it says you couldn't even tell that it was a human being, nailed on a cross, died a criminal's death. Why? So that we could be together. So there doesn't have to be all this he said, she said stuff. So there doesn't have to be all this white, black, Hispanic stuff. So there doesn't have to be all this hatred. So there doesn't have to be all this stuff that creates the lines that divide us, but we remove the lines so that we can come together. Man, these last couple of weeks, guys, it's been hard. And y'all know, this is your community too. This is your country too. These are your people also. We are living in a time where at least in most recent history, I can't think of a time where it's been such widespread division. That's de it's deeper than just the superficial stuff. Yet at the same time, I can't think of a time where we've ever had the most potential to see something amazing happen. And I'm telling you, the enemy is at work because I know that there are people in the church, and I'm not just talking about Convo, I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about the body of Christ, I'm talking about people who are Jesus followers, who are terrified, don't know how it's gonna happen, but they trust who it's gonna happen through. And they're starting to pray, people, and we're not just caught up just blessing our food and God help me today because today's gonna be terrible, so help me today. No, getting on our knees and deciding that we are going to be a praying people who see the heart of God move. <laughs> Guys, we got, we, got, we got elementary school kids coming to school drunk and high. And in some places we have administrations who could care less. And even more so, we have homes that could care less. We have parents that are feeding pornography to their kids because it justifies their own con conscience for what they're doing in their own life. It's much easier for us to legalize things than to actually deal with the brokenness. 
And I'm telling you guys, something's gotta change and it cannot be, I'm not trying to be on a soapbox situation here. Something's gotta change in us and it can't just be us getting pumped about religion. It has to start with us deciding that in the end of the day, I will love the person that God puts in front of me. You know, the hard part about loving people is that it's never guaranteed that it's gonna be reciprocated. Jesus hung on that cross as people mocked him. Jesus hung on that cross as people who were following him in the moment of his greatest despair said, well, this clearly isn't it. Turned and walked away. And it just blows my mind because I'm putting myself in that situation and I don't know if I wouldn't have been one of the ones that walked away. I don't know. I like to think that I wouldn't, but I, I wasn't there, I don't, I don't know. But that one of the final things that Jesus ever said as he hung on the cross, and yes, he saw what was in front of him, but I believe he saw humanity in its totality. And he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Are you willing to forgive the people that are hurting you? Are you willing to forgive the people that have hurt you? I'm telling you, somebody's miracle is on the other side of your forgiveness. And somebody's miracle is on the other side of you being a praying Jesus follower. Your prayers are powerful. Don't you dare underestimate who you are in Christ. And if you're not there yet, like maybe, maybe you're not sure about this whole Jesus thing because may, maybe you're one of those ones that I've talked about. You've seen so much garbage come out of the church world that you're like, this is ridiculous. But for some reason you're here today and you're hearing what we're talking about and there's something that resounds inside of you because I wanna tell you something, not always do children represent their parents the best way. I was one. Same way in the church world. Bunch of hypocrites. Me, I'm in there. Why? Because we're people. We're not, we're not Christ, but we can have the mind of Christ. We're not. We're not, we don't have it all figured out yet, but we have this journey where, where God's showing us stuff. If we can dedicate, dedicate ourselves to battling and fighting for, come on, it's worth fighting for. Your marriage is worth fighting for. Real quick, I'm, how'd that happen so fast? <clears throat> Guys, men, I'm not singling out the ladies here either, but I just wanna say something. Men, fight for your wife, not fight at your wife. Fight for your spouse. And if your spouse is here today and maybe your husband isn't here and that's something that's breaking your heart, continue to pray. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking at God. Don't worry, things are gonna happen. But if you're here today, men, this has, we, we've, we've been put into a position, let me rephrase that. Women have been put into a position where you have had to step up for where men have refused to do so. And so I'm not saying this to shame the men, I'm saying this to challenge you. And I don't know if you're like me, but I was always the type of guy that when the coach started poking me in the chest, I was like, okay, all right. You wanna issue the challenge? I'll step up. And I wanna do that, I wanna poke the men in the chest and say, listen, you have the ability to lead your family. That doesn't mean that you are not empowering your wife. You can have both and. Did you know that? Men, you don't have to shut up so that a woman can be who God's called her to be. You can be who God's called you to be and it will actually complement what God has called your wife to be. 
and it will paint a picture that shows your children, whether you have them now or you will in the future, it will show your children the way in which they should go. It's worth fighting for. If your children are wilding out and you don't know what to do, it's worth fighting for. Keep taking it to Jesus. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. The bigger things that we see in our world, it's worth fighting for. Yeah, we can see the root of racism dealt with. It's worth fighting for. Not, not, not hating your enemy doesn't mean that you don't have a voice for what's wrong. We kind of live in a culture right now where we're saying, well, if you, if you disagree openly, then you are, you're, you're a bigot and you're hatred and all this type of stuff. No, it's, it's called a conversation. But our culture doesn't understand a conversation. And so what typically people do is either we get so emboldened that it, turns into, it does turn into hatred or we decide I'm just not gonna speak at all. And, and, and I think that God would challenge the church to open up your mouth and be a voice, not in a way that's going to push people away. You don't need to tell people that they're wrong and that you disagree with them. All you gotta do is love them. The job of the Holy Spirit is to transform and change people. Our job is to love people. Our job in another path, I think it's in Luke chapter six, Jesus takes it further, because again, they were in an occupied situation where Jews were being oppressed by the Roman, uh, the Roman citizens and the Roman empire. And if a centurion came up to a Jew and said, here, carry my stuff. By law, you had to carry his stuff for a mile. Jesus said, all right, it's been told to you to carry for a mile, I say go two miles. Somebody smacks you on the cheek, turn and give him the other one. Someone wants your, someone wants your, your, your cloak, your jacket, give him your shirt too. This just is absurd. <laughs> kingdom mentality. Jesus, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. I'm gonna protect myself. I'm gonna take care of mine. I'm gonna make sure that you know how I feel about what's going on. Jesus is just, he's just poking us in there. He's just getting it, trying to get at our heart. He's like, there's something bigger at play here. And if the church would become an instrument of love instead of an instrument of religious, I don't even know what to call it, arrogance, racism, hatred, I'm telling you that the moment that you give your life to Jesus Christ, can I just say this? And this will be it. Your citizenship changes. We're hurting each other over where we're from and who should be where and who should be what. But as a Jesus follower, if I were to look at my card, the first thing it says is citizen of heaven. The church, we gotta start acting like it. We gotta start acting like it. Because when we do, I'm telling you, something awesome is gonna happen in our world. And America does have a call to lead. Right now, we're just not doing it very well. And we can, we can. And I feel like as we pray and we get on our knees and we seek God for a revival in our nation, not one that we scheduled that has to start and end time, but we're on our knees and we're begging for God to move through us so that we can be the hands and feet of Christ. And we were dedicated to that and we keep asking, we keep seeking, we keep knocking, the doors are going to open. The requests are gonna come through. Families are gonna come together. Communities are gonna come alive. And it's not gonna be all this divisive stuff. We're gonna see the love of God, God's way going through us, transforming lives. Guys, it's gonna be incredible. I can see it. I can see it. I hope you can too. It's possible. And you can be a part of it. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes. 
and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.